it's a new year. Man, Connect started over today. That's a beautiful thing. Freedom gatherings just happened in last service. That's a beautiful thing. A new round of that. Funuary's happening down at the porch. Man, it's good around here, isn't it? I think I even have a little bit of a like really sweet spiritual soundtrack going on. Can you guys hear that? <laughs> we might kill the pad, Mr. Kurt. Thank you so much. Man, I'm ready to go. The weather, is, it was really nice yesterday. It was... It's really cold today. It was snowy the day before that. Man, it's just a new year. Everybody's got the sniffles, but we're all good. You guys good? Man, here we go. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Is anybody else excited? Family, my anticipation level for this new series, Lazarus Raising the Dead, I mean, it's through... The roof. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do some good things through you and me. I can't wait. So I would encourage you to put your faith into action and raise your expectations with me this morning. Here's why. Because our God is still in the business of making dead things come alive. He's, he's always been in that business. He's never stopped that business. And he is the best there is at it too. We get our first glimpse of him doing that business in the very first few verses of your Bible when it says the Spirit of God hovered over a dark void and empty world, but then he spoke and this world comes alive. And then just a little bit later in a garden, he picks up some lifeless dirt and it's like he does this. He breathes into it and it comes alive. And there's all kinds of other stories all throughout your Bible where, where, where God makes things alive, brings dead things to life. And one of the stories we're going to look at is this story of Lazarus where he does that. But most significantly, he did it in another garden after Jesus had been, think about it, horrifically crucified. I mean dead. In the grave for three days, but then the Bible says that the Spirit of God raised him from the dead. Okay, and that's still what he's doing to this very day. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, we would say anyone who trusts in, commits to, and relies upon Jesus Christ, the Bible says by the power of the Holy Spirit will be transferred from death to new life in him. And then as we continue to follow him in this new life we're living with him, and and as we then discover and we will discover um, areas of our lives that are still pretty lifeless. Areas of our lives that are not godly. Listen, if we will continue to follow him and surrender to him, he will continue to give us more and more new life. I think that's a pretty good trade. So here's what I wonder here at the beginning of 2022. Um, if we're all just really honest, does anybody here have um, any hang-ups? Maybe any fears? Maybe any secret sins? Maybe any physical needs? Maybe any hurting relationships? Maybe any loss of first love? Maybe any lack of passion, lack of purpose, lack of provision, maybe anybody else in your life that you care about. Does anybody have any areas of their life that could use a fresh breath of new life from the Holy Spirit 
here at the beginning of 2022. Is there anybody that could use one of these? Amen? You're in the right place. We, we all could use that. And so listen, raise your expectations. I mean, let's raise our faith because our God is still in the business of bringing dead things back to life. And I, re I really believe this. Let's not go into this new year, and we'll talk about the prayer and fasting. Let's not go into it with just a, oh, I'm just going to go through the routine. I'll go, I'll do this. No, I'm saying let's go into it with faith, believing that God is who he says he is and that he does what he says he does. Amen? So let me just tell you how God put this uh, message series on my heart. And so um, many of you know that I believe God has given us a word for 2022 um, that I believe the Lord has said that there is going to be more breakdown in the world this year, but that he wants to give breakthrough to the church this year. Okay, and I would say if you missed last Sunday's message, we unpacked that word big time. So go and listen to that thing and get caught up with the rest of us real quick. Um, but I believe he wants to give all kinds of breakthroughs to you and me in the days ahead. And so um, back in, it was early December after I felt like the Lord had put this word in my heart. Uh, and I spent some significant time in prayer asking him what I believe is the next obvious question uh, I heard him say, man, I want to get breakthroughs. And so I began to ask God, well, then what kind of breakthroughs do you want to give? Like, what, what do you mean? And church, again, I, a breakthrough is this. It's a decisive victory over strong and sometimes prolonged opposition that we've all faced. Okay, I believe he wants to give all kinds of victories like that. Okay, but I'll just tell you in my prayer time, um, one of his breakthrough answers for me really surprised me. Okay, I really believe the Lord said this, that, Brandon, you've had dreams that I have planted in your heart that did not come to pass in the timing you thought they should. And so you've begun to let some of those dreams die. You've, you've started to move on. You've, you've started to give up on some of those things. Family, I believe he said this, and, and maybe this will speak to some of you, but I believe he said, it's time to bring those dead dreams back to life because I want to give breakthroughs for them. Okay, I wonder how many of us have had some dreams from the Lord, or, or you could say it this way, godly desires, things that we feel he's called us to. I wonder how many of us have had some, some godly desires and dreams from the Lord in our hearts. Um, but they didn't come to pass in the timing we thought they should. And so we began to let those dreams die. We moved on. We, we, we thought at some point, oh, well, I guess that must have not really been the Lord. That's not really what he wants. Okay, but listen to me. What if it was the Lord? But what if his timing is just so much better than ours? Come on, I believe God wants dead things to come back to life. Listen, what if his dreams that he's given us, maybe they didn't happen in the timing we thought they should, but that doesn't mean they're dead. What if he wants us to resurrect those things? I believe the Lord, listen, I believe he's saying, hey, I want you to resurrect those dreams because I want to give breakthroughs for them. Okay, and so me specifically then, I, I was like, well, what dreams are you saying that I've let die? What, what, what are you talking about? What did, what did I let go of? And he began to just be very clear. I'll tell you, dreams like things for 6th Street. 
He was telling me, there's dreams for things like Newton Reborn and Regent Reborn that I'd put in your heart. They didn't happen in the timing you thought they would happen in, and so you've begun to move on. So dreams for things like Sixth Street, dreams for our downtowns, dreams for our economies, dreams of lifting people out of poverty, dreams of new businesses, dreams of, this was a big one he put on my heart, the dream of receiving a financial miracle so that we can actually see the Fox Theater completely reborn according to the dream that he put in our heart. I began to start thinking, well, maybe God's going to do it some other way. I feel like God's saying, listen, you start dreaming again. Dreams, dreams of people and places and, and things all over the place, all over around us, coming alive in Jesus like never before. Those kinds of dreams. Okay, so um, can I tell you something? Listen, I don't pretend to know the timing of any of that. But I will tell you, I have made a decision in my heart, especially here at the beginning of the year, to start dreaming those dreams all over again and to start praying serious prayers for those things all over again, asking God to make a way because I believe he wants to bring breakthroughs. Okay, but can, can I tell you something else? Um, I know for a fact that... You know, we're in 2022 now. I know for a fact that 2020 caused a lot of Christians to give up on dreams that God had put in their heart. I know there's a lot of Christians today, and 2020 killed a whole bunch of passion that they had from the Lord. I know. Listen, I know many Christians, and it looked like they were following Jesus before 2020, um, but I'm going to be real. Now it looks like they're barely following Jesus. Um, I know some Christians who, it, it looked like they were following Jesus before 2020, but they are not following him at all now. They're following something else. Um, so, can I say something that's probably going to be pretty unpopular some of you aren't sure. Um, I'm going to say this with a lot of grace, okay? We're talking about dead things coming alive. We're talking about life and death in this series, okay? Um, I heard one of my favorite pastors, Pastor Mark Batterson, he said this recently. going to be up on the screen. Listen, the purpose of life is not to arrive at death safely. One more time, because our, our culture needs to hear this loud and clear today. The purpose of life is not to arrive at death safely. Follow me. Much grace. But listen, there are many physically healthy Christians today who have started following things like COVID safety more passionately than they're following Jesus. Okay, they cite, there are, there are many Christians today who are citing safety as the reason that they're no longer fully engaged with God's church. And, and listen, I'm, I'm going to say this very gently, okay, but to this day, no matter how much the safety protocols we've all been told to follow, no matter how much those things continue to be largely ineffective, okay, and I'm saying that because, hey, vaccinated, unvaccinated, listen, Everybody keeps testing positive for COVID. Half our church ain't here today. 
and everybody's going to keep getting the cold and everybody's going to keep getting flus just like we did before 2020. Amen? And last I checked, the COVID survival rate is still like almost at 100%. Okay, but even so, many physically healthy, I understand there's some people that, and they say comorbidities and all those things, I understand that, okay, but many physically healthy Christians still have more passion for things like COVID safety than for being fully engaged with the church. And so with that in mind, listen, is it really any wonder that our world is now dying spiritually faster than ever? Family, the purpose of life is not to arrive at death safely. Look, if Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime, here's the truth. All of us are eventually going to die. Happy New Year. If he does come back in our lifetime, then either way, here's the truth. We're all still going to be accountable to him for how we lived the lives that he has given us. Okay, so listen, I am not advocating that we go out and be reckless, but I am saying if we live our lives now with more passion for anything else, for for more passion or, or purposes that are not the purposes of Jesus, if we do that, then we will get to the end of our lives at some point and we will discover that we never truly lived. And correct me if I'm wrong, but listen, even with all the safety measures taken in 2021, there was not less breakdown in our world this past year. I mean, think about it. Come on. The social mess of this whole thing has only continued to grow since 2020. Is that right? So what makes us think that it's magically just going to get better in 2022? It's not. Okay, so family, here's the only hope that you and I and this whole world has. The church, so I'm talking to you, the church, you and I, we must come alive again, but this time we must come alive like never before. All over again, but like never before. We must make Jesus and what he says our number one passion and our number one purpose in life. We must dream his dreams. We must follow him, and then we must trust him to be every ounce of safety that we truly need in this world as we live fully alive for him, even if we die one day for him. Amen. Y'all still want to be my friend? Okay, so family, listen. As I prayed through all of that, I believe the Lord said, talk about how I raised Lazarus from the dead. Talk about that at the beginning of 2022. So, you guys ready to talk about Lazarus? Come on. I'm so excited about this. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to spend the next three weeks walking through John chapter 11, verse by verse. Okay, and then in week four, um, I got a little Lazarus surprise for you. I can't wait, okay? But here we go. We're going to dive in. John chapter 11. Now, John chapter 11 takes place in the last weeks leading up to the week where Jesus walked into Jerusalem on mission to die for you and me. Okay, so this is at the very end of his three years of ministry here on the earth. Here we go. John 11, verse 1, it says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary 
and Martha. Watch this. This is the Mary who later, okay, we're in John chapter 11. Later in John chapter 12, so one chapter later, poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. I would encourage you to read that story this week. Flip over to John chapter 12. It's one of the most significant acts of worship we have in the entire Bible. Mary gave a sacrifice to the Lord. Okay, she took a bottle of expensive perfume. It would have cost her a year's wages, and it was also the same kind of perfume that they used to anoint kings with. And she poured that perfume out on the king's feet just before the king made his kingly entrance into the city of Jerusalem where he was on mission to sacrifice his life for you and me. Okay. Now, she did that, no doubt, in part because of what Jesus does for her brother right here in John chapter 11. We'll, we'll see it, okay? So it says, her brother, Lazarus, was sick. And I want you to notice this. This is key. We're going to come back to this. So, the two sisters, Mary and Martha, sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now, I know you might not pick up on it just by reading that, but this was a desperate plea. Lord, our brother is about to die. We need you. We need you to come and heal him now. Okay. Um, spoiler alert, though, okay? Because uh, in the very next verse, listen, Jesus is going to spoil it for us. He's actually going to tell us how this story is going to end right here at the beginning of the story. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, um, Lazarus is going to die. Okay? Sorry if I spoiled that for you. Jesus is going to do it here in a second anyway. Lazarus is going to die, but Jesus is going to raise him from the dead because that's what our God does. Amen? Okay, but, so watch. Jesus, he's going to say so. Verse 4 says, but when Jesus heard about it, that Lazarus was sick, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. He's going to die. He's just not going to stay dead. But now you listen to me very carefully, church family, because what he says next is so important. Now he's going to tell us why. Why this isn't going to end in death. Why he's going to get raised from the dead. He says, no, it happened. Listen, this sickness and Lazarus' death, it happened for a purpose. And he's explaining the purpose right here. It happened for the glory of God. So that the Son of God, that's Jesus, will receive glory from this. Wait, what? Huh. Okay, I just want you to stop and think about that for a moment. Because if you're actually following what Jesus just said, um, Jesus just gave us some theology that's becoming a lot less popular these days. Because is it just me? Or did Jesus just actually state that his friend Lazarus has not only gotten sick, but he's going to die also that God can get glory for it? I mean, 
Come on, you follow me? This isn't very safe for Lazarus. <laughs> Are you with me? How dare God do this to Lazarus? This, this is putting his life in jeopardy. Family, safety is not the purpose of life. And so let's just be very clear, because Jesus did just give us very accurate theology for the purpose and the meaning of our lives. Listen, the purpose of your life and even your eventual death is to give God glory with every ounce of your life and your death. That's it. Okay, first off, because he's worthy of it. But second, listen, watch this. It's because by his design, he has created you and me to glorify him. And when we glorify him, that's when we come alive. And this is what happens every time. Every time you and I glorify him, he pours out blessings to us and through us. And it causes more life in us and to our world around us. When we surrender, I mean, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. When we surrender our lives to be lived for his glory, his ways, his purposes, his mission, come what may, it's like he, then, it's like he holds us in his hand and he keeps doing this. He says, oh, you're more concerned about being my church than being safe from my church? That glorifies me. Let me bless you. Oh, you just confessed that secret sin that glorifies me. Let me bless you. Oh, you just, you just asked for forgiveness from your spouse and those other people you hurt too. Let me bless you. Oh, you, you want your friends. You're praying that they would give their lives to me, and you're actually asking me to use you to see it happen. Shut your mouth. You just brought the full tithe first. You didn't even wait until you'd already spent everything else. You brought it to me. You're setting aside time to pray, and you're making a sacrifice so you can fast, all because you want to be close to me. The world is lost and miserable and dying spiritually faster than ever because people everywhere, including some people in the church, they're still trying to find their purpose in other things that are not the purposes of Jesus. Okay, but I'm telling you, if you will give your life to Jesus and determine to live your life for his glory, then Listen, just like we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, just like Lazarus, you will come alive too. Okay, and yet, this is key, living for God's glory also means trusting his timing. Okay, so let's keep going. Watch. Okay, so Lazarus is sick. He's going to die, and his sisters have made a desperate prayer request, in essence. Jesus, come. Jesus, help. But watch this closely. Verse 5. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. 
Have you ever really, really, really wanted the Lord to do something, but then it didn't happen in the timing you thought it needed to happen in? Okay, but what if that dream, or again, those godly desires, what if it really was from the Lord, but what if his timing is just way better than ours? And therefore, what if, listen, what if the glory and the blessings that will come through the breakthrough that he gives in his timing, what if it's exponentially better in his timing? Look, how many of you know that um, Jesus could have healed Lazarus the moment he heard Lazarus was sick? I mean, he didn't even have to go to Lazarus. He could have just said the word from right where he was, right? Okay, living for God's glory also means trusting his timing. So here's the picture. Here's what's going on then. Um, Jesus waited for two days. Okay. And then, after he already knew that Lazarus had died, that he was done, dead, kaput, no more. And, and from a human's perspective, after all hope was lost for Lazarus, after his sisters did not get the answer that they wanted in the timing they thought they needed it after all of that verse 7 it says finally he said to his disciples let's go back to judea let's go to bethany in judea and let's see our friend lazarus but 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 here we go but his disciples objected rabbi they said only a few days ago the people in judea were trying to stone you are you going there again now just hold on one second Okay, listen to me. It's true that some people in Judea had tried to stone Jesus, but the, the disciples make it sound like all the people in Judea were trying to stone Jesus, right? Okay, and it's true that there were some people that had tried to stone him, but it wasn't just a few days ago. It was two months ago. Okay, listen, here's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not pretending that the threat wasn't real, but here's what's going on. The disciples are kind of being drama mamas right now about how real the threat still is. Now, again, I will encourage you. I am not advocating we go live reckless lives, okay? But can you see even right here how much the pursuit of safety can interfere with our ability to follow Jesus? Because here's what happens. Jesus said to his disciples, let's go. And they said, no, Lord, it's not safe. This is going to be strong, but this is the truth. Family, every time you and I prioritize our own well-being over the call and the purpose that Jesus has for our lives, that's when we reveal that we actually have a lack of trust for him. One more time. Every time you and I prioritize our own well-being over the call and the purpose that Jesus has in our lives, that's when it actually gets revealed that we have a lack of trust for him. Here's why. Because he's the only one who can truly keep us safe. Okay, the purpose of life is not to arrive at death safely. The purpose is to live fully for Jesus and glorify him. And watch closely, okay? So Jesus is going to say so right here in verse 9. Um, verse 9, he actually gives us it's kind of like a little mini parable, but we'll explain it. So they were like, look, we can't go back, Jesus, we can't go back. And watch what Jesus says to them. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. 
During the day, people can walk safely. They can see. I hope you get this. Come on. They can see because they have the light of this world. How many of you know Jesus is talking about spiritual things right here? But at night, that's when there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Okay, so I know I've done this before, and I even just did this recently, but um, can I share with you all what the 17th century scholar Matthew Henry has to say about this? He wrote a comprehensive, um, just a, a guide through the whole entire Bible. It's fascinating, and he gives insight on this part right here. It's, it's just fascinating. Okay, it's going to sound a little old Englishly, but it'll be up on the screen, okay? Here's what he says. He says, if any man walks in the day, he stumbles not. That is, or, or he's saying, here's what Jesus means. If a man keeps the will of God set before him as his rule, with an impartial respect to all God's commandments, then he does not hesitate in his own mind. He's not like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm worried about what's going to happen. Can I go do this? He does not hesitate in his own mind, but walking uprightly, he walks surely and with a holy confidence. Without any extra security, he relies upon the word of God as his rule, and watch this, and regards the glory of God as his end. In other words, as his purpose in life. This is why I'm here. Because, here's why, because he sees those two great lights. Now, one of those lights is the natural light of the sun, the natural light of the world. But the other great one, come on, what's the other great light? His name is Jesus. He is the light of this world. And so he keeps his, keeps his eye upon them. Thus, here's the result, he is furnished with or given by God a faithful guide in all of his doubts and a powerful guard in all of his dangers. y'all catch that? Okay. Let me just sum it up. The purpose of life is not to arrive at death safely. The purpose of life is you and me following the will of God, following his call on our lives and glorifying him and letting him make us alive in the process. Amen? Okay, listen, gather family. Jesus, that's what Jesus just said right there in the little mini, mini parable. Matthew Henry just said it. We've already seen that Pastor Mark Batterson said it, and I'm saying it too. Safety is not your purpose. Giving God glory with every ounce of your life and even your eventual death is your purpose. If you live your life for any other purpose that is not the purpose of Jesus, you will get to the end of, the, end of your life and you will discover that you never truly lived. So verse 11. So Jesus said, boys, safety's not the goal, it's not the purpose, God's will is our purpose, so he said, let's go, let's go, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up, so he's still kind of talking in parables, the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will get better, bunch of dum-dums, <laughs> I'm joking, we can all be pretty thick-headed sometimes when Jesus is trying to talk to us, right, okay, so they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And verse 15, okay, here's our last verse for today. I want you to watch this so closely. Lazarus is dead, he told them, and for your sakes. I'm glad I wasn't there. 
for now. Or you could say, because, because my disciples, when you trust me, when you trust me and my purpose for your life, and boys, when you follow me to Bethany, and when you see the breakthrough that I'm about to give in the timing that I'm going to give it in, then, then you will really believe. Okay, in other words, in other words, then, then God's going to get glory from this, and you're going to get blessed. Lazarus is going to come alive, and you will too. Come, let's go see him. Okay, now, um, I realize this is also a bit of a spoiler, but uh, if you do know the rest of the story, um, how does Jesus actually raise Lazarus from the dead? Anybody remember what he does? What was that? Calls him out, right? Like with a shout. We'll see this in the the next couple of weeks. With a shout, with his voice, he calls Lazarus out of the grave. It's almost like he did one of these. In essence, he used the breath of his lungs and said, Lazarus, and we're going to watch Lazarus come back to life. Okay, I wonder if there's anybody here that has any area of their life that could use one of these. (sighs) Right here at the beginning of 2022. Okay, maybe you need to come alive in the purpose that God has for you. Maybe you need to come alive in that for the very first time today. Maybe you need to come alive in that all over again, but this time like never before. Maybe, maybe you need Jesus to breathe on your relationship with him. Maybe you've got other relationships that you need Jesus to breathe on. Maybe there's, maybe there's secret sins, grace, but you need Jesus to breathe some new life into that area. Maybe you're struggling with fears, the fears that are just rampant today, and you need Jesus to give a fresh breath of life. Maybe, maybe you need it in your finances, on and on and on. Okay, family, I've got good news. Our God is still in the business of making dead things alive. He still is in the business of taking lifeless areas of our life and breathing new life into them. That is who he is. Our God is still the God of the breakthrough. Okay, and so here's the question then. Man, I hope we want it. How do we get it? I hope God's stirring something on the inside of you. I hope there wouldn't be a single one of us that would sit here today and, and, nah, I'm good. I hope there might be conviction on the inside from the Holy Spirit saying, here's where, I, here's where you need life. Here's where I want to show up. And so the question is then, how do we get it? How do we receive this new life? How do we receive the breakthroughs he wants to give? Well, listen, here's, here's what I saw in what we just read. Those two sisters, Mary and Martha, they asked Jesus for help. I said it barely just a moment ago, but 
in essence, here's what they did. They presented their prayer request to Jesus. And look, even though they didn't get the answer in the timing they thought they needed, needed it, nonetheless, we'll see this over the next couple of weeks, they still continued to put their faith in Jesus, and they do end up getting the breakthrough they need. But it started with this. Jesus, we need your help. Jesus, we need, we need new life. Jesus, we need you to come and make a way. And here's what we know too. We'll see this in the next couple of weeks. Um, they didn't get in the timing they thought they needed it in. But the glory and the blessings that came out of the breakthrough they received in the timing Jesus gave it, exponentially better than if they had gotten the answer they originally thought they wanted. This is why we're talking about this today. Okay, so family, you want a fresh breath from God? Do you want breakthrough, the breakthrough that God wants to give you? Here's what I believe Jesus is calling all of us who call the gathering home to do here at the beginning of 2022. Let's be like Martha, let's be like Mary, and let's pray to Jesus. Let's start asking him for help. Let's start asking him for new life. Let's demonstrate to him that we trust him. Let's wait on him. And in the timing that he wants to bring those things in, let's pray and let's fast together here at the beginning of 2022. Listen, let's position ourselves to give God glory and let's position ourselves to receive the breakthroughs that he wants to give. Amen? I'm going to invite the band to start making their way forward. Listen, as a church family, here's what we're doing. We are praying and fasting together for the next 21 days starting tomorrow. Okay, you're all invited if you call this place home. The purpose is let's get close to the God of the breakthrough. Let's ask him to breathe new life into any area of our lives that need, that need new life. Let's, let's, let's give him glory. Let's get the blessings. Listen, the idea with fasting is that we intentionally are setting aside other distractions, things that we normally give ourselves to so that we can focus in on Jesus. The idea with fasting is that, honestly, we, we sacrifice for a period of time something that we typically rely on for life so that we can focus in more on the true source of life. His name is Jesus. Okay, we're starting tomorrow, January 10th. We will end the fast after church on Sunday, January 30th. Okay, now, if you are brand new to fasting, if you've never done this, I, this just popped in my brain, I didn't say this in first service, but parents, you don't need to make your little kids fast. Okay, just, just you feed them kids, all right? Okay, but listen, we have posted resources on social media um, we're going to send out a text this afternoon with more resources and, and information on what it looks like to fast and engage with us. Please check those out. I am not saying that you don't need to eat any food for the next 21 days. All right, you can eat food during the next 21 days, okay? But I am asking, please fast something. And I will say, if you've never tried fasting food before, take this opportunity to, to step into that spiritual discipline. Okay, begin to, begin to step into it. This, honestly, this is something that Jesus, he doesn't say, you know, if my disciples will do this. He says, when you do this. This, this is actually a lifestyle he expects from his disciples. And so, listen, here's just one way you could think about starting. Maybe, okay, over the next three weeks, 21 days, maybe you take three of your lunch breaks each week. And instead of eating, 
You go out to your car, you put on some worship music, and you pray for that lunch hour instead. Okay, that's just one way. Maybe you do it four times a week or five times a week. Listen, pray about what God would have you do. Okay, um, maybe you fast social media. Okay, listen, we could all probably stand to get off some social media for a little bit. And I'll just tell you right now, I'm going to fast. In addition to fasting, uh, a, a food fasting routine, I'm going to fast the news. Okay, can I just, that might be good for all of us. I fasted the news, it's barely, barely a fast, but for three days when I was on my sabbatical, I didn't look at any news, and here's what happened. My faith went through the roof. All of a sudden, I was like, oh my goodness, our God can do anything. Here's part of the reason, because you start to look at the news, and you just get discouraged. There ain't no good news outside of this good news. Every time you look at it, you're, you get discouraged, and so you're like, oh, nothing's going to happen. Man, you get off that stuff, you get away from that garbage that just wants to work you up, and all of a sudden you start having faith, and you remember what our God can actually do. So I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take time away from the news. I would encourage you, think about that as well, but social media, news, all that stuff, listen, I would just encourage you, don't automatically say no to the food thing. Listen, I mean, that's truly what God has given us to live on. So what happens when you take some time, just some times away from that and you focus in on the source of life and you replace some meals with some prayer? Amen? Now, as for prayer, um, just real quick, we are going to have some extra prayer meetings over the next three weeks on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So starting this Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 7.30, every Tuesday and every Thursday, we're going to meet right here and have a time of prayer for a half an hour. We completely realize that not everybody can make it then. That's okay. If you can make it, I would encourage you to be here. We'll probably have 15 minutes of just prayer where you can pray individually, and then myself or another leader will pray for the last 15 minutes. We'll pray together. It's going to be a powerful time. Okay? Um, The point is, even if you can't make it, the point is, let's all set aside extra time in our day for more prayer over the next 21 days. That's the idea. So if you can't be here in the room, come on, be with us in spirit. Amen? And then, listen, we are having a giant night of worship on January 28th right here at the Fox. Okay, that's towards the very end of the fast. I believe we probably will have seen some breakthroughs by that point, and we're going to give Jesus all the praise. Okay, now, just one more thing. Um, If you are in a neighborhood gathering, okay, during this time of prayer and fasting, I would encourage you as a group, and walk through it together. Take the journey together. Like, maybe... Maybe you and some other people in your group fast similar things at similar times throughout this time, and you check in on each other, hold each other accountable. Okay? And, and then you, when you get together, you talk about it, okay? Um, but I will say this. Um, delicious food is always a big part of our neighborhood gathering times when we're together. Okay, so you have permission to not fast as a group when you have your neighborhood gathering meeting, okay? How many know, like, if you're on a fast and somebody shows up with a giant bowl of mashed potatoes and gravy or like a little Caesar's hot and ready. It's hard to stay on that fast, right? Okay, so you have permission not to fast when you're together, but leaders and just everybody, what if you set aside a little extra time in that time to pray together more than usual? All right, but family, here it is. Listen, let's be like Mary and Martha. Let's ask Jesus for new life. If the church doesn't do it, where else is it going to come from? Who else is going to go before the king, the author of life? Who else is going to plead to him? We need new life. Who else is going to ask for a breakthrough if the church won't do this? Let's get close to the God of the breakthrough. 
Let's seek him. And listen, I, I don't pretend that he has to give any breakthroughs in any kind of time frame. But I believe this. If we pursue him like this, we will make ourselves more available than ever for him to do what he wants in and through us. For him to receive glory and for you and me and lots of people around us to receive blessings. Amen. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray.